As I look around the congregation this morning, I'm so glad to see some familiar faces. Randy and Carol Wood are stopping by as they make a new place for ministry as God leads them to back to Pennsylvania as they go further out into the east. Welcome back. We're so glad to see so many of you here this morning. I want to commend the members and friends of Bakerstown Church for their realization, for their responsibility of attending worship. I was up quite early this morning and I heard the 5.30 a.m. newscast with its weather prediction and my goodness, they scared the living daylights out of me. I should have known better. I knew many of you would be here. I know radio and television has its place in our modern society, but sometimes I just wish they'd shut up. <laughs> My, if our, our forefathers had ever had weather forecasts, you know, they'd have never built America. <laughs> but thank God for people like you who do not allow a little snow, a little ice, threatening weather to keep you from your appointment with God. That's what the kingdom's about and that's what America is about. And I hope throughout these winter months when it seems our news people are enjoying frightening us that you'll remember you're of Scotch-Irish Presbyterian heritage a little bit stubborn, persistent, and strong, and that God, who has created you, has created the day, and he hasn't given up on either one. Now, with that off my mind, I would like to turn, please, to God's holy word. First Samuel, the third chapter. Hear the word of the Lord, and please keep in mind that God always blesses his word. Verse 1, now the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down within the temple of the Lord, where the Ark of the Covenant was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And 
the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Elijah perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood forth, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for thy servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I tell him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. And Eli called Samuel. He said, Samuel, my son, and he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Amen. And amen. Today we're going to talk a little bit about prayer. And that's a subject some of you know a good deal about. I think most of us know that there are different kinds of prayer. The one that we know and probably use most, prayer of petition. Petition prayer. And that is, just as the name indicates, this is where we petition, ask, demand, hope that God will give us something that we need or we want. And we get down on our knees or we close our eyes, fold our hands, and we ask God for something. When you do that, you are participating in prayers of petition. There's a second type of prayer. It's called the prayer of intercession. And that is where I am asking God, not for something for myself, but something for someone else. The person may be a loved one, a friend, a stranger, someone I've never met. But it's someone who's in trouble, needs help, needs some type of reassurance, needs an answer. So I intercede for that person at the throne of the Almighty asking God to bless in some way, some specific way, 
that particular person. That's the prayer of intercession. There's a third type of prayer. It's called the prayer of praise. And when I pray prayers of praise, I come asking absolutely nothing for myself. I come asking nothing for you or in anyone else. I come merely expressing gratitude and thanksgiving, praising God from whom all blessings flow. Now, there's a fourth type of prayer. It's the type that the late, great Frank Laubach, that individual who did so much for the literacy program throughout the world, you know, that each one, teach one program. Frank Laubach, in his book, Prayer, the Mightiest Force in the World, calls this kind of prayer the most powerful kind of prayer, the highest level of prayer that there is, and it's called two-way prayer. Two-way prayer. And two-way prayer is basically where I speak to God, God speaks to me, and we are together in intimate communication. I do not come in two-way prayer with a particular petition for myself. I do not come in two-way prayer for a particular intercessory need that I am making on your behalf. I do not come praising and thanks with thanksgiving in my heart. No, no. Two-way prayer is where I come opening up myself, speaking to God, and giving him the opportunity, though it sounds very spooky and strange, to speak to me, where I open myself up where I allow his spirit to mold me, to make me, and to give me the message that particular moment that he desperately wants to give to me so that I may be on my way to fulfill the destiny for which I've been created by him. That's two-way prayer. It sounds rather strange. Some Presbyterians don't like to hear about it. It's not quite formal enough. Talking with God? That's right. That's what I said. Two-way prayer is where we hear the voice of the Lord. Now, of course, when I say that, I'm trying to say that we do not hear the voice of God with these ears that are on the side of the head with which I hear your voice and the sounds of the world. No, you hear the voice of God with that inner ear, which Theodore Wright, the psychoanalyst, calls the third ear. It's very interesting to me that so much of this new way of thinking for so many people and communicating from God is coming not from the theologians, though I think it should be. We have just forgotten that part of God's presence and power in speaking to us. It's the psychiatry world that's picking it up. There's a book out by Dr. Viktor Frankl, F-R-A-N-K-L. If you can get a hold of any of his books, I suggest you do so. Dr. Frankl, in his book, The Unconscious God, makes the very bold statement, the Bible's made it before, but many of us preachers have forgotten about that, 
is that God speaks to individual human beings. And he can do that because he has built into us the spiritual mechanism through which he speaks. And it's in Dr. Frankel's estimation, study, and research that he speaks through the conscience. And here the good doctor, psychiatry, does a very beautiful thing. He tries to disturb our thinking by asking, what good is your conscience? Why do you have a conscience? There's not one of us here who does not suffer from conscience. Some have guilty conscience. Others of us have conscience that we, we, we feel we're just not doing what we ought to do. I guess that's a form of guilt. But we all have a conscience, but why? Where does it come from? And then he draws a comparison that a conscience really doesn't make any more sense to a human being than does the navel. He says, you know, the navel really has absolutely no basis of understanding of human nature unless you understand the prenatal state. And then you realize this is a part of the umbilical cord which has connected you to the life system of your mother. But if you had no knowledge whatsoever about the prenatal state, the navel would have absolutely no sense at all in your particular anatomy. So he says with the conscience. The conscience, you see, has absolutely no understanding or relationship to us without an understanding of transcendence. Unless you realize that this is a part of our connectional system with the Almighty, the conscience just does not make sense. He claims very boldly that it is the conscience that is the voice box of God. And that if an individual is ever going to communicate with the Almighty, he's got to get in touch with God speaking through the conscience. I know this is very radical for some of you. The way I've been thinking in the last couple of years, I think I found a new discovery. The revelation of God is speaking, I feel, in a new way to me. How are we going to get in touch with the voice of God through the conscience? And I think in what I understand and where I am presently, this is what Samuel was involved in in the third chapter of 1 Samuel. This is just not an incident of a boy with his mentor in a temple being approached in the middle of the night by an almighty God. This is two-way prayer. This is what we're talking about. Let me show you. I think the first thing that an individual has to do if he's going to be in two-way communication with the Almighty, if you're going to hear the voice of God, first thing you've got to do is get yourself in a position where you're relaxed. Notice where Samuel was. Lying down. You've got to get relaxed. One of the reasons why the Almighty and the power of his Holy Spirit is having a hard time getting through to us is that we're too tense, too uptight. God has a hard time getting through the noise and the confusion. We don't hear him. 
I think this is what Jesus was trying to tell us when he says, when you pray, you've got to enter into your closet. And you pray to your closet when you're in secret and your Father will reward you openly. You've got to get off by yourself. You've got to be relaxed. Now, I've been experimenting with this two-way prayer now for some time. The way I do it, sitting in my desk chair at home. I always use the same chair. I lean back so that the feet are just off the floor. It helps to relax my legs. The arms are right on the armrest, palms down, fingers apart, eyes closed. And I don't know why it is. I always face an open window. And I try to release every injury, insult, injustice, inequity, any feelings that I have within me whatsoever. Try to block out all the noises, all the disturbances. It's the reason why the eyes, I feel, have to be closed, because it's so easy for our attention to be distracted. Try to the best of your ability to think of absolutely nothing but concentrating on the presence of God, who you may visualize as a voice, as a ray of light, as a speck, however you do it. Try, and it may take five or ten minutes to get one into that particular meditative state. But it comes through relaxation, and without the relaxation, you might as well stop the process right there, because it won't happen, it won't go any further. First, relax. Second, believe that while you are in that state, the Spirit of God will speak to you. Now, that's the most difficult thing that there is for us to do, to believe that in that particular hokum-pokum state, that spooky situation, that time of meditation, that the Spirit of God will really speak to me as I live in this part of God's kingdom. Now, you've got to believe it. And as I say, that's the most difficult thing to do in all of the world. It's difficult for many preachers to believe. I didn't believe it for a while. But it's strange when you start to believe it, things happen. Notice here, Samuel didn't believe it. When God called, Samuel went to Eli. He didn't believe it was God. Three times God had to get the attention of even Lee, Eli. Here was a man, a man of God, a prophet, one who was raised in the temple. And yet, he didn't recognize until the third time that it was God speaking to the young boy. There's many preachers throughout this whole land, many Christians, who will poo-poo this whole situation, who will laugh at me and at you if you believe it, who would love to believe that every other force in the world is speaking, but not the spirit or voice of God. I can never quite understand why it is so easy for us not to believe it and so difficult to believe it. The only difference is one word. <laughs> you can believe it if you want to, and you've got to believe it. 
You've got to believe that in that meditative state, as you try to rid your mind of every feeling and emotion of that hour and leave yourself open, you've got to believe that God is speaking. One, relax. Two, believe. Three, start to ask questions. You see, Eli got Samuel to believe when he said to him, Samuel, you go back. Maybe it's God that's trying to get in touch with you. Now, you show God you mean business when, in belief, you say, Lord, speak, for thy servant is listening. What I suggest you to do is in your relaxed mood, be it lying down, standing up, standing on your head, everybody has a different way of relaxing. Believe and show your belief by saying, Lord, speak, for thy servant is listening. Then you start asking. It seems, I don't know why, God really doesn't start speaking until we start asking. Ask, you'll receive. Seek, you'll find. Knock will be open unto you. And Jeremiah said, you call upon the Lord, and the Lord will answer you. So start asking questions. Asking questions. And I don't mean those big complicated questions like, how did I get here? Why am I here? No, keep it. Keep it. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? And then help the Lord out. He's given you a mind. We have ideas on what ought to be done. Make a few suggestions. Allow him the opportunity, and he has a lot of people to talk to, to get away with just a yes or a no. You present the question in such a way where he can indicate to you yes or no. Don't expect two pages typewritten single-spaced. Doesn't always happen that way. And always ask questions with a kiss. You know what that means? It doesn't mean this type. It means keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Ask those questions with a kiss. Very direct, very honest, very open. Forget the church language. God, I've got a problem. I believe you're going to help me out of it. Now, is this what you want me to do? Or is it this? Or is it that? Present the question. Oh, you become very intense, just like in conversation. Ask. Relax, believe, ask. For listen. Now, this is where most of us fall down in our prayer lives. We come in, our Father, and we start out good, and then we give a big volley of words and sentences, and some of them are absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. And then we finish up, and we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen, and get up and boom, out we go. The most important moment in prayer is not when you're praying, but when you're listening. We never give God a chance to answer. We don't. A relationship between two people requires that both listen as often as they speak. If you're in a household where somebody's always talking and never listening, I feel sorry for you. 
And I think God many times thinks in this house of his world, he has a lot of children that do an awful lot of talking and don't listen so good. Listen. Listen. In your prayer time, if it's 20 minutes, 10 of those minutes ought to be in silence. Listening. Prayer is judged more by what you hear than by what you say. Listen. About this time, some of you bright Presbyterians are going to say to me, Now, Dick, you know, hold up. You know, if I follow this, don't you think that when I'm just listening to a still, small voice, there's a pretty good chance it's my voice. <laughs> I'm just projecting my ideas through my subconscious. You know, isn't this just maybe a polite way of trying to say, Hey, I'm talking to myself. It could happen that way. But there are three rules, three foolproof ways of examining whether or not that voice that you hear is your voice or the voice of God. When you get an answer, when you listen, and you maybe don't think it's right, or you're questioning whether or not it's just not a projection of your own ideas, first of all, check it with the Word of God. You see, two-way prayer can only make sense to people who are growing in God's Word. If you're not reading your Bible, then don't engage in two-way prayer. You'll have to get some really wild answers. But if you're a Bible student, if you know the Word of God, especially as the Word of God revealed through Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, fulfilled in His name, then you check your answer with His Word. Because, you see, one thing God cannot do and will not do is contradict himself. And if your answer that you think you have heard through your conscious, conscience contradicts the word of God, be assured, that's not God speaking to you. That's someone else. Secondly, run it through the rules of integrity. Ask yourself this answer that has come to me. Is it honest? Is it based upon truth? B, ask, is it unselfish and loving? Three, is it constructive and positive? And still, if you don't feel your answer is right, you know what you do? You go to some other Christian who is engaged and knows two-way prayer and say, hey, I got this particular answer. I'm not quite sure it is right. Will you check it out with me? Let that person ask God after you have confided in him what your answer has been. You know, if I had a problem here and wasn't quite sure my logic was right, I would go to you and say, what do you think of my logic? All we're doing is combining and supporting and going to the Almighty asking for help on interpretation. But listen, listen to the answer. And then five, after you get it, when the time is right, go and reveal it. Did what Samuel did. Samuel got a pretty clear-cut message that night in the temple in his relaxed mood when he believed and when he asked and when he listened, he got a message. I think if I'd have been Samuel, I'd have gotten up and run right away and Leah, Eli, hey, you know what God told me? Samuel didn't do that. He went back to bed. He probably didn't sleep. Next morning he got up, he opened the church, as was his job. And it wasn't until Eli came and said, Samuel, tell me what God told you, and don't keep one word out of it. It wasn't a very good message, you know. It was a message of doom and destruction for Eli and his sons. But Samuel told it, 
just as you and I, if we're to fulfill the will of God and do his will here on earth, must reveal the answers that God gives unto us even when we don't like them. And I think one of the reasons why we don't come more together in prayer and why some of us don't pray is, one, we're afraid what God might say to us if we listen, and secondly, we're afraid of what we're going to have to say, do, be, and go if we do take the time to listen. Folks, I'm not here asking you to buy all that I'm saying because I know it's strange to many of you, but what I am asking, please, two weeks starting today, try it. That's all. Just try it. Just try it. Get off by yourself today and every day for the next 14 days. Relax, believe, ask, listen. And then what comes to you, the right time, and you'll know it because God will prepare those times, reveal. And you watch if you don't find a new power, a new peace, and things happening in and around you that you can only explain by using the term miracle. Pray about it.